Welcome to About the Journey, the podcast from Marriott Bonvoy Traveler that takes you on a road trip where the end point is not the end goal. I'm your host, Onika Raymond. I'm a travel journalist and member of Marriott Bonvoy, and I couldn't be more excited to go on this road trip with you. We'll be traveling into some of the most dramatic wilderness that the United States has to offer, the National Parks of Wyoming. We'll visit the Wind River Reservation to meet a Native American family protecting wild horses. In the Grand Teton Mountain Range, we'll learn the right way to observe wildlife in a national park. And of course, no trip to Wyoming's national parks is complete without experiencing Yellowstone, where we'll hear from a wildlife photographer captivated by the local grizzly bears. That's all to come, so buckle up. You may have heard of Jackson Hole, the expansive valley nestled up to the Grand Tetons and just below Yellowstone. Well, at the southern end of this iconic valley is the town of Jackson, a favorite of ski enthusiasts and outdoor adventurers coming to explore the nearby parks and wilderness. We'll base ourselves here because it's a great jumping off point to explore Wyoming's expansive national parks. Jackson is a really gorgeous, rugged mountain town. A lot of people come here for um, one reason or another, whether that's skiing or snowboarding or, you know, just to get into the mountains and end up finding a beautiful community in so many other ways. It looks like a small town in the middle of a big valley. In Jackson, it's easy to feel small surrounded by the Teton mountain range. In fact, Wyoming is the least populous state in the country, but with millions of acres of national park, this is my pick for anyone looking to see some serious wildlife. Now, experienced travelers know that the key to enjoying any kind of nature is to do it responsibly. So everywhere we go, we'll be supporting local communities and leaving these national parks in better shape than we found them. There's too much to see here for just one day, so we're breaking our drive into a few day trips. Our first outing takes us to Yellowstone National Park. The first national park created in the U.S., Yellowstone is known for sprawling vistas, gravity-defying geysers, and towering mountains. But for many, the biggest draw is the wildlife. Simply put, it's just full of wildlife, from bison to wolves to elk, uh, grizzly bears, black bears. Literally, it's heaven for wildlife photographers. Here's Mark LaBelle. By night, he's the lead singer of the band Dirty Honey, complete with long, shaggy hair, usually topped with a broad-brimmed hat. But by day, he's become a wildlife photography enthusiast, especially captivated by the diverse wildlife of Yellowstone, and other national parks. It's just a really magical thing, and it's hard, it's really hard not to feel just so alive in their presence. I was doing motorcycle um, trips with a buddy, and doing landscape photography was always a passion of ours. Um, and just photography in general, it's, it's always fun to tell a story of your journey. And then it wasn't until we both sort of started going through Grand Tetons, Yellowstone, sort of all of these areas that have really vibrant wildlife. 
we just started to fall in love with the photography and started researching famous wildlife photographers and finding out, you know, who really has a voice through the lens. Finding your own favorite photographers is such a great place to start. You not only get to enjoy a portfolio of beautiful photos, but each one can serve as a mini lesson or inspiration for finding your own style. Now, I love photography, and I really developed my own style through going out there and taking pictures. I love bright colors, and I felt so inspired by all the beautiful things that I was seeing on my travels that it really led me to study more about the art of photography. Man, and then once you have that first wildlife encounter that you really get something great out of, it it becomes addicting fast. There's a famous grizzly bear named Grizzly 399 that kind of traverses through Grand Teton and Yellowstone. And man, to see it in person, this just unbelievable matriarch in nature is is really special. And then on top of that, to get a great photo, you know, with a stunning background behind it. And, you know, we've been chasing that uh, experience ever since. While Mark's encounter with Grizzly 399 was a case of right place, right time, there are some locations that may improve your chances of catching a glimpse. Yeah, Lamar Valley is is probably the go-to. You're certainly guaranteed to see wolves there. They, they kind of, that's like a rendezvous point for one of the packs. So from a distance, you can definitely see them. And it's really cool to see them and hear them howl in real life. If you're hoping to see the famed grizzlies or a pack of wolves, well, you'll need to slow down and wait. Any wildlife photographer would tell you it's all about patience. It could happen, uh, you know, an hour into your, your waiting or a week, you know, you just don't know. But then it's up to the animals to give you exactly what you want. And you, you might wait a whole season to get it, but you, you won't get it for sure. If you're not patient enough to sit there and wait. But patience is just one part of capturing great stories through wildlife photography. Understanding focus, composition, how lenses work, what lenses do to your photography, that's all super essential if you're even going to start. If you're not looking to invest in professional equipment just yet, don't let that hold you back. Honestly, you can do a surprising amount with just the camera on your phone. So here's a few helpful tips. Firstly, Put your phone on silent. You do not want to be scaring away the animals with a notification bell or a ring. Secondly, for tricky lighting, try manually adjusting your exposure to control your brightness. And if you're dealing with a high contrast lighting situation, make sure you're using HDR mode. Finally, there are also lots of inexpensive apps out there with more advanced features, like increasing your shutter speed, which is the best remedy for a blurry photo. Whether the animal's hunting or if they're foraging or if they're just simply passing through an area, you know, you have to adjust to whatever the animal is doing to tell a story. You know, just telling a story isn't going to be a compelling picture. Ultimately, we are guests in the homes of these animals, and it's incredibly important to respect that by keeping a proper distance and exercising caution and patience. You know, I think what's so beautiful about wildlife photography is that it never feels like nature owes you a perfect shot. Some days, you might not see any wildlife at all. But by honoring the space that you share with the animals in Yellowstone, you might just get that shot you're after, and that's a great feeling. Back in Jackson, we're ready to put down our camera and spend our first evening out on the town. At the Million Dollar Cowboy Bar, 
we can bust out our cowboy boots for some line dancing or saddle up for a drink, quite literally. This popular watering hole has saddle-mounted bar stools complete with stirrups, just the right place to find a mix of tourists and locals. The people in Jackson are um, very welcoming. They got cowboys, you have artists, you have people who are just here for a season. Jackson is just a really interesting place full of unexpected people. And of course, if you need a recommendation, just ask a local. I would definitely check out Teton National Park, especially the Phelps Lake uh, hike and Death Canyon. That's exactly where we're headed tomorrow in hopes of seeing some more wildlife. But first, we need some sleep. We're staying at Spring Hill Suites Jackson Hole, just two blocks from the town square. So rest up, because tomorrow, we're hitting Grand Teton National Park. In the morning light, snow-capped peaks of Teton Range loom high above the arid grasslands of northwest Wyoming. It's just a 10-minute drive to the park from Jackson, putting us at the doorstep of one of the best national parks to see an abundance of wildlife. By foot, we might see marmots and a moose or two along Denny Lake. Or at Timbered Island, catch views of pronghorn antelope munching on nearby sagebrush. I have to say, though, after yesterday's hike, my vote is for a laid-back drive on the 42-mile Grand Teton Scenic Loop. With so many turnoffs and overlooks, there's no shortage of breathtaking views on this route. It's also pretty common to pass by a herd of American bison grazing in one of the prairies, especially near Mormon Row Road and Elk Ranch Flats. We'll cover more ground this way, which means more chances to spot a bear. From safe distance, of course. I know it gets so exciting when you see that bear or you see a moose or an elk. It's really exciting, and I don't think it gets old for anybody. This is Denise Germain, the public affairs officer for Grand Teton National Park. But you have to remember, um, you can't just jump out of your car. You need to pull over to the right side of that white line, or you go to a parking area, and then you safely view the wildlife. Denise represents the rangers working to protect this park every single day. Her mission is to educate us about some of the simple ways that we can help these parks thrive. The principles of leave no trace are very important right now. So many people are getting outside and they want to recreate in the great outdoors and their national parks. So we need to be very thoughtful. And the first principle is plan ahead and prepare. That is a basic fundamental for everybody. Another leave no trace principle is to dispose of waste properly. Basically, you pack it in, you pack it out. The park tries to make it as easy as possible for visitors to follow these principles by offering amenities like water filling stations so you can bring your reusable water bottle. The National Park Service app is a treasure trove of information about the more than 400 parks in the U.S. And you know what? It even works offline for when you inevitably lose cell service. We ask everybody, leave it better than you found it. Be a responsible visitor. Not only for us now, but for future generations. And to do that, we all have a responsibility to help protect these special places and these special stories. Denise has an excellent point about being responsible travelers. Remember, we're a guest in these places. If we want to have these parks stick around, well, we have to treat the environment better. 
And I don't know about you, but I would love to be able to bring my daughter here when she's old enough. It's the morning of our third day. We've got our responsible tourism down, plus a couple wildlife photography tips. So we're heading out to see something special, a wild horse sanctuary. But first, breakfast. Well, for Stephanie's has tasty food. Somehow kids always know where to get the best breakfast. We'll grab a table at Persephone's, a cozy cottage-style bakery, to try their rosewater sweet waffles and truffled egg skillet. After breakfast, we'll hit the road. We're in for a two and a half hour drive along US Route 26. The Rocky Mountains and the High Plains meet in Wyoming, creating breathtaking scenery in every direction. To this day, the land is inhabited by indigenous tribes. It's also home to one of the great symbols of the American West, the wild horse. Probably the thing that'll hit you the most is when the horses start running, just the thundering of the hoof beats. It it's truly sounds just like a thunderstorm going on around you, and that hits you deep and hard. That's Jess Oldham, whose family runs Wind River Wild Horse Sanctuary. I don't think there's any other place you can experience this level of intimacy with wild horses. I mean, lots of times they'll come up and you can pet them. His father, a former veterinarian, opened the sanctuary six years ago after deciding he wanted to be part of the solution in the conservation effort of wild horses. If we look at the numbers of wild horses in the open ranges of the Western United States, it's about 80,000. And that's a huge number. And that number has been growing significantly because the wild horses population was not regulated. But as a result of that, how do we regulate that population? The problem with this ballooning population is that the horses deplete the land they graze. So the Oldhams have taken upon themselves to bring 225 of these horses into their own pastures. With the wild horse issue, there's a lot of issues that surround different camps, right? So you've got some camps that are pro-wild horse and don't touch them, leave them alone. They're doing their own thing. Some people that say, take them all off of there. When we try to bridge that gap between those two camps, I think that's where we make our biggest impact. As for the stigma around wild horses, Jess will tell you. When you take the time to bond with them and you take the time to train them properly, they're sure-footed, they're smart. These horses, once you get past those barriers, I mean, they're some really good horses. That patience has taught Jess some key life lessons and a new way of looking at his own heritage and culture. If you look at Native American culture and the history of Native Americans throughout American culture, being able to survive and now still be here, the resilience is crazy. You look at the wild horse populations and now they're overpopulated. I mean, that same resiliency, that same ability to thrive is huge. And so I've definitely learned a lot of symbolism in, in that and tying it into my culture and tying it into the Western and the American culture as well. Jess and his family show us that there are lessons to be learned from both the wild horses and Native American communities of Wyoming. Wind River Reservation may not be a national park, but people like Jess Oldham play an equal role in the mission to protect the natural beauty of the West. say goodbye to all the horses and bears 
to spend our last night in town close to the hotel. Snake River Brewing is right across the street and is just the spot to swap wildlife stories with the locals. The brewery gets its name from nearby Snake River, the twisting waterway that inspired some of Ansel Adams' most famous photos. Just like that, we've reached the end of our epic multi-day Wyoming road trip. Our three-day trips wouldn't have been possible without a solid home base in Jackson. For our trip, we found the ideal place to see it all from Spring Hill Suites Jackson Hole, located in the heart of downtown. Two blocks from the town square, we were able to explore Jackson on foot, a welcome change after logging so many miles on the road. We hope you find inspiration in the stories we've shared of the rush of seeing Yellowstone's wildlife in their natural habitat, of the importance of sustainable and thoughtful visitation to America's national parks, and of the wild horses, fight for conservation, and lessons we can all take away from the symbol of the American West. You can learn more about these trips around Wyoming and get other road trip ideas from Marriott Bonvoy Traveler at traveler.marriott.com or in the show notes. For more information and travel tips for our national parks, head to nps.gov or download the National Parks app. For more on Wind River Horse Sanctuary, head to windriverwildhorses.com. About the Journey is produced by Marriott Bonvoy Traveler, Atwill Media, and me, Onika Raymond. Our Marriott producers are Robin Benefield and Jess Moss. Our Atwill Media producers are Mitch Bluestein, Christy Westgard, Elliot Davis, Naila Andre, and Drew Beebe. Special thanks to our guests on this episode for sharing their stories along the route. And thanks to you, our listeners, for coming on the ride. And if you like this episode of About the Journey, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time on The Open Road. Hi, I'm Lale Arakoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Women Who Travel is a transported podcast for anyone curious about the world. We talk to adventurers and athletes. I've raced the God's Own Adventure Race, which is on the South Island and goes through the mountains down in the Southern Alps on New Zealand. That was eight days spent out in the wilderness. And chefs. Iranian food is home, it's family, it's love. And we share dispatches from our listeners. Ireland is full of these, I will call them ghosts of the past. From stampeding elephants to training sled dogs. We hear it all. The dogs will curl right up with you and it can be kind of cozy waiting things out. New episodes of Women Who Travel publish every Thursday. Join us wherever you listen.